0: Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, episode 215. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. And uh, this week, Tax and Super Australia's Tax Council, John Jeffries, is once again on ABC Radio in Adelaide, speaking to the Afternoons uh, program uh, with Sonia Feltoff. Uh, now, it's been a week since we were um, on the airwaves, the, the well, since John was on the airwaves at the ABC, but a lot more um, uh, updates have come out. Uh, so he speaks about the um, alternative decline in turnover test, also a factor that working students will be interested in. Uh, And he also touches on the luxury car limit and the instant asset write-off deal, and uh, looks at more details of uh, the salt trader applications. So uh, let's hear what John has to tell the people.
1: When you uh, a few weeks ago, when we first saw Job Keeper and Job Seeker announced by the federal government, uh, there were many. Many details and many things still to be determined. It happened very, very quickly. So each week we've been checking in with our tax counsel from the Tax and Super Australia, John Jeffries, to find out more about the clarifications arising as part of those payments. Now, they're still not due, I think, to come through till the 1st of May, uh, but certainly you could start registering for JobKeeper last week, uh, and so we'll be answering some of those questions. And if you've got a question specifically about your circumstances for John Jeffries, now's the time to call 1300 222 891. You can also text on 0467 922 891. Hello, John. Hi Sonia. Yeah, good to talk with you again. Now, we sent you home with some homework last week.
2: Yes, that's right. So, we had a question about uh, Return to Work SA's treatment of the JobKeeper payments to people and whether, in fact, that would form part of the premiums for Return to Work SA. Now, the board has announced of uh, Return to Work SA that they will not be part of the remuneration, so therefore won't part of the premiums.
1: So basically as an employer you will not have to pay what we used to refer to as work cover payments on on the, the jobkeeper payments.
2: Yes that, that's that's correct and uh, also if I could just mention payroll tax as well, uh, it's also exempt from payroll tax.
1: Well that's going to be good news for employers on both accounts I imagine.
2: Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, As long as uh, there's also uh, other payroll tax concessions uh, that the South Australian government has put out. So, uh, yes, that's quite a uh, big boost for those who are affected by it.
1: Now, John, that's, um, uh, that's been a question from a lot of business owners, particularly in relation to the return to work payment, uh, but there's also been some other clarifications in relation to declines in turnover and, and how that test is made. We know that you only get JobKeeper if you can demonstrate um, a, a drop in turnover of how many percent?
2: 30, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 30% for most businesses, yes.
1: And so what is what is changed now in how we determine that
2: 30% decline? OK, well, one of the missing pieces of the puzzle was what was known as the alternative test. And this is where the normal test doesn't fit neatly uh, with what's happening in your business. So, for example, uh, if a business has started up uh, let's say, in October last year, how? where do you get your comparison period from? Or if you have had a part acquisition or disposal or other things like droughts and bushfires and so forth. So what's uh, now happened is that another legislative instrument has been issued which talks about this alternative decline in turnover test for various uh, what are known as classes of businesses. And what it does is it gives you a, a proxy or another way of calculating what the comparison period would be. Um, it's it's pretty complicated to explain uh, on the radio, but uh, for, it will, will apply to many businesses, actually, uh, particularly seasonal businesses. Um, and so that's something that uh, business people should pay attention to in relation to that decline in turnover test.
1: OK, so this might apply, um, what, to a farm, for
2: instance? Yes, it could, yes, uh, if you have... Uh, seasonal turnover or if you've had irregular turnover or maybe even if you've sold off part of a farm, uh, all of that could be applicable to you.
1: Now, when we talked about this, obviously you had to demonstrate a decline in turnover. My understanding was that it had to be proven to be COVID-19 related, but you said it could be anything. So if you've had a down decline in turnover due to drought, for instance, would that also apply?
2: Yes, it does. So there isn't any specific requirement that the decline in turnover be due to COVID-19. And indeed, in this uh, new legislative instrument that I just spoke about, there are specific um, items there for drought and bushfire.
1: Which would all be applicable in 2020 for many, many businesses.
2: Yes, that's right. And so it can be applicable from the point of view of the decline in your turnover, but also in the way that you actually calculate the turnover. Now, uh, the tax office has given uh, deferrals of lodgements and payments in relation to certain postcodes, and if you're an applicable postcode, then the months that are covered by that particular deferral are not included in the way you do this new calculation. So there's those kind of two aspects to it. It could drop your turnover, but also the way you calculate your alternative turnover has to be done in a different way. Mm.
1: Now, you're listening to the voice of John Jeffries, Tax and Super Australia, has done the hard work for us over the last few weeks, and we will continue to do it for a couple of weeks more, hopefully, as we try and get our head around JobKeeper, JobSeeker, and changes to super in the packages that have been announced by the federal government. Now, if you've got a question for him about your unique circumstances, we'll try our best to try to um, answer those questions and address them. And when I say we, I mean John, um, <laughs> but uh, if you want to give us a call, now's the time to ring 1300 222 891 or text us on 0467 922 891. Now he still has things to say about full-time students and uh, also of the one in all in one, uh, the one in all in principle. So we'll go back to those in a moment. But first, let's take a call from Peter at Norwood. Hi, Peter.
3: Hi, John. Hi, Sonia. Thanks for taking this call. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of a minefield. It's very confusing, but I was just wondering. My situation is I'm a, a, um, a, a retailer self-employed in a partnership with my wife. Now, I know one of us can get it if we have all the stipulations that they require that uh, in order. Um, I did my iGov ID, um, and I think I've applied for it, etc. um and... I think I've got everything under control. Are you supposed to get any notification of, um, you know, congratulations, you've got it, or is anything like that? What
2: happens with JobSeeker? Uh, Keep it, sorry. Yep, we'll,
1: we'll just get John back on the line if we could. John, sorry, we couldn't hear you there for a moment. Say that again. Yeah,
2: that's fine, yes. The confirmation will come. Now, uh, it has to be said that there were some problems with the system uh, when additionally uh, you applied. So when did you apply, Peter? Can you remember, is it, uh, was it today or...?
3: Last week sometime, uh, yeah. or maybe,
2: yeah, I think it was
3: early last week.
2: Okay, So there were some problems with the system which have been since rectified um, to do with situations uh, where you were in business and you had a number of employees that didn't quite fit. Uh, But uh, if your application has gone in, I think you've just got to trust uh, that the tax office has got it and uh, that the payments uh, will flow as is required
3: that were the case and it didn't flow when required is there oh. something we can do or is that
2: okay uh, have you lodged your business activity statement for the march quarter
3: no that's uh, yeah i'm going to do that before the 28th of this month so that's when it was due so i think i'll, I'll probably i think get it. i think
1: they've delayed it till may now haven't they
2: Yes, uh, although the, the activity statement is is part of the, the deal. Uh, you can apply for JobKeeper uh, up to the end of May for the April period if you want to, but you've already done that, so you're in the system. Just get your activity statement lodged mm-hmm. and you should be right.
3: Terrific. Look, uh, thank you, and
2: hopefully it'll <laughs> it all work out. Yeah, thank good you good on well. you,
1: Peter. Nice to hear from you. Uh, Jad is in Blackwood. You're a sole trader, Jad.
2: Yes, I am. And look, that, that previous call, I may have answered uh, some of my questions, but as a sole trader where I don't have an employee and it's just me, and um, I was I registered, uh, this was last week, uh, I went through uh, the form where you couldn't progress the form unless you actually put in at least one employee. I've subsequently phoned the ATO and we've rectified that uh, manually over the phone with the young lady there, but that's all I've had. So I've had no further correspondence to advise whether or not I qualify, don't qualify. And so it was really just saying, well, what happens from here? Because mm. I have to make alternative arrangements if it's not
1: forthcoming. Yeah, gee, you want to have the notification, you would think, uh, John Jeffries.
2: Yes, that's right. And the issue that you refer to as one of the key problems and this sole trader employee point. Uh, but yes, uh, the... the um, Confirmation doesn't come out straight away, uh, but uh, I can assure you that there are many people working on that uh, and you should be able to get that payment coming through to you fairly soon. But, yes, I agree. It would be nice to know.
1: Jad, can I just... uh, Jad, not Jad. John, can I just clarify? Jad and our previous caller had not received a notification and you'd said there were problems with the system. Should you be getting
2: notifications if you're lodging it now? Uh, It won't be an immediate one. So you will get notification of it, but it won't be immediate. Um, it will come through uh, the payments uh, that are coming to you and through other, other mechanisms.
1: OK, J- Jad, thanks for your call. Ian's in Stirling. Hi, Ian.
4: Hi. Um, my question's to do with the asset depreciation write-off. I've announced that you can buy assets up to 150000 and write-off the depreciation. Um, uh, 100% write-off in this this tax year. Yes. Um, does that apply to vehicles, to motor vehicles? So I've gone to
2: one car yard. He's told me it does. I've gone to another car yard. It told me it doesn't. Okay. Well, it does. It does. Yeah. Uh, what what value car are you buying? Is it over, say, sixty thousand? Yes. Okay. So there's a thing that's called the luxury car limit, which is about fifty-eight thousand. You can Correct. only ever depreciate up to that level under that's under the, the
5: normal.
4: The, the, well, that's that's my question. One car yard's uh, telling me the new depreciating level just till June 30th yes. is 150,000. The luxury car car tax level does not apply um, because the way the legislation's written. And another car yard's telling me it does apply.
2: OK, well, my reading of the legislation is that you can only depreciate or claim a tax deduction up to the car limit, which is currently about 58000 something
1: Great, right. thank you. Thank okay. you for that, um, Ian. appreciate your call. Um, some of our texters uh, on the text line uh, says... Um, uh, where is my question? My husband has his own business and has applied for JobKeeper but hasn't paid himself yet. Is it too late to do that? He had registered and been accepted.
2: Okay. So, uh, no, it's not. So, uh, this is referring to uh, April, which is the the first month. So, there are two JobKeeper fortnights in April. What the tax office has said is as long as you've paid at least $3,000 minimum in the month of April then you will have satisfied what's called the wage condition.
1: So you could do that in a lump sum on April 30th?
2: Yes, that's correct. But just watch it that from then on, every JobKeeper fortnight, you've got to pay that minimum of $1,500. So that's just a concession for one month, the starting month. Mm.
1: Uh, thank you for that. And, look, this is coming up in various forms, um, but I'll just read this particular text out, but there are variations on it. Uh, it says, Our business has been doing OK at the moment, but we do think it could plummet shortly. Our rural community has been affected by fire and COVID. Will it be possible to apply it later in the piece?
2: Yes, for JobKeeper, that's correct. So, one of the things uh, that you can do is... Compare your June 2020 quarter to the June 29 quarter if that happens to be uh, something that applies in your situation. But frustratingly, Sonia, the application form for the tax office doesn't include that and it's clearly within the scope of the law for you to do it. So the answer is yes, if you're not sure that your declining turnover has been met yet, you could still continue to do, uh, to compare. As the, uh, the six-month period continues, but it will be, uh, if you satisfy it, uh, the payments will be on a prospective basis. So if you decide in, say, the 15th of June, yes, I'm going to have a lower turnover, and you start to apply, uh, the JobKeeper yeah. payments will apply from that fortnight.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and Michael from Parra Hills has an interesting question. Hello, Michael.
6: Thanks, John. Um, what happens if you actually put on I've already got two questions, and the general one is, with accessing the super, the 10,000, what happens if you're actually putting in for it and then, like, you've been unemployed since sometime in January, you're putting in for, say, the 10,000, but then you're actually fine part-time employment, which, you hope, then becomes full-time employment. Are you still entitled to the claim to 10,000? Uh, yep.
2: So, um, there are, are a number of uh, conditions... So uh, that when you're uh, making that application, uh, if it's been the case that on or after the 1st of January 2020, the 1st of January 2020, you were made redundant or your working hours were reduced by 20% or more, uh, then you can apply for the superannuation.
6: Even though you now may be getting some parts on work? Yes, yes, that's, that's correct. A bit more um, specific and gets a little bit messy, this gets about the same uh, thing. My daughter is actually separated from her partner. They're going through the whole procedure. Mm -hmm. He's lost his job, now getting a bit of parts of work. You go back to the start of the year, she was getting $188 child maintenance. She's got the three kids. That $188 per week went down to, say, $35 a month. Now, she's not... She's hasn't been employed for 10 years. She's got three kids under 10. She hasn't been employed for 10 years. She was receiving child maintenance at 188 per week. Because her ex, who was paying the maintenance, has lost his job, she's now down to getting basically $35 a month. Mm. Can she claim anything in the way of super? Uh,
2: yes. So if she's. Um, if you're uh, receiving... Um parenting payments, which includes the single and partnered payments, then you're, you're eligible to draw out the superannuation.
6: Okay. Now, her partner is a little bit vague.
1: We as can't. We, I, we can't be really specific about this, uh, Michael, we, because um, John can't give you specific advice I, unless he talks I, with yeah, you. But in general principles, I yeah. don't want
6: to put something in and find someone yeah. knocking on the door and says, "We want our money back." You shouldn't have claimed that that was sure. All. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank no. You.
1: Thank you for your call, Michael. Uh, this is, of course, very general advice. We've just asked Jen, um, John to look into the the specifics and clarify some of the elements of the job keeper, job seeker uh, payments, and We know, John, don't we, that there are so many different circumstances that uh, it's hard to cover them all off uh, under the uh, the general terms.
2: Yes, and uh, you mentioned before. I just wanted to uh, state that uh, about full time students that you mentioned. Yes, I'd love to know more about that. uh, So many full time students aged sixteen and seventeen are casual employees that. Coles or Woolworths or whatever it happens to be, Safeway, um, and they looked like they were going to get their $1,500 a fortnight. Unfortunately, the treasurer on Friday night said, no, you no longer can get that. Uh, But if you have been paid it up to date, you can keep it. So, um, unfortunately for you full-time students or uh, working at home or whatever you you might be doing, um, unfortunately you can't get that JobKeeper payment. Okay.
1: So that's whether you live at home or not?
2: Yeah, well, if you're a full-time student, age 16 or 17, you're not entitled to the JobKeeper payment.
1: Okay. well, there you go. Um, That looked like a windfall for some students, that's for sure. (laughs) And tell us about the one-in, all-in principle that you've been able to get some more detail on, uh, John.
2: Yeah, so the Treasurer has confirmed that with JobKeeper payments that an employer cannot pick and choose which employees get the JobKeeper payment. Now, an employee can uh, not nominate themselves, that's quite legal, but once uh, an employee has been nominated, then everybody that is eligible in that employer must get the JobKeeper payment. And there's been a lot of discussion about this, but the Treasurer made that quite clear on Friday night, but it's a one-in, all-in principle. And, and John, can I just finish up by um,
1: talking about some of the um, uh, obligations that you might have uh, in relation to this. We've, we've talked about it before, but if you get the JobKeeper payment, are you, uh, are you able to say, look, I don't want to work? We've heard examples. I think Ali Clark was bringing up an example this morning on the Breakfast Program of, of people who perhaps are getting the JobKeeper payment but have decided to go home during the COVID-19 crisis to the country, for instance, and so are not eligible for work.
2: Yes. Um, so this brings up the amendments to the Fair Work Act, of which I'm not really an expert. But there have been special provisions that have been made to the Fair Work Act that enables employers to make what are known as job keeper enabling directions to their employees, so that uh, it's not just as simple as saying, "Well, um, I just want to be at home." Uh, it's something that. Um, has to be done in, in uh, connection with what the employer wants and uh, the scope of these new rules, which employers uh, would be encouraged to make sure that they're well advised about.
1: So you do have an obligation to uh, um, follow your boss's direction if you are getting the JobKeeper
2: payment? Well, uh, within the yes, within the scope of these rules, because the rules were changed under the Fair Work Act for a temporary period, so that employers could make directions to employees that they normally wouldn't be allowed to do so.
1: John Jeffries, before we let you go, I thought we were going to let you go, but I've got two more callers here who I don't want to just uh, dismiss. Maria is in North Adelaide. Hello, Maria. Hello. What's your question?
5: So, um, hi, John. I'm a sole trader uh, with employees and I work um, three days a week in my business. Um, I also am employed by another entity one day a week. So I would be eligible as um, an eligible business participant. Our turnover was right down in April um, through no fault of our own. We had to close down, or almost close down. And um, I'm concerned because um, I believe that being an employee of another entity is going to preclude me from applying as an eligible business participant um, as a sole trader.
2: Yes, that, that is correct. Now, let me just ask you about your one-day-a-week employment. That's part-time? Uh,
5: yes. Yes. So you can oh, only... It, uh, sorry, it was casual. It was casual, but um, the uh, there was an effort made by the employer to change everybody to contracts, which I personally refused to sign because I it was um, unilaterally directed. However, I think... The fact that it's a regular one day a week still make um, it's, I think it's a little nebulous, but it might come under the permanent part time arrangement.
2: Yes, Yeah, I, I suspect that is right. So yes, you can only get it as an eligible business participant for your business if you are employed casually. Now, the arrangement you've got there sounds like it's part time.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: However, you should be able to get the job keeper payment from that employer.
5: Uh, they've chosen not to apply in April. Um, I oh, don't right. know. Yeah. So okay. and, um, and I would... Uh, my concern is that they may not um, be eligible from May oh, yes. onwards. So then the fact that I work there one day a week stops me in my main employment, which is my business, uh, of receiving anything.
2: Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that's the way the rules work. And in your situation, you then have to think about job seeker.
1: Maria, thank you for your call and Sam will make you our last one for today at Manindi. Hello Sam. Hi.
3: Uh my question's about the instant asset tax write off. Mm-hmm. Now as I understand it's been increased from 30,000 to 150,000 from March the 12th. Is that retrospective or is it only apl- applicable for assets bought after March the 12th or is it those in this financial year preceding that?
2: You, uh, Sam you run a small business correct yeah yeah your turnover is under 10 million yep yep so if as long as you bought that asset uh, after uh, May 2015 and I said 2015
5: yep.
2: uh, and you install it in between um, the 12th of March and the 30th of June then you will get the instant asset right off.
3: Right. So, if, if, if it was purchased back in January this year, it's not
5: it's not applicable to, to write off.
2: Well, it depends on when it's uh, first used or installed, ready for use. For the hundred and fifty thousand, how much did the asset cost?
4: Oh, it's uh, around
2: a hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it's, it needs to be installed after the, the 11th of March. Yeah, okay.
1: All right, Sam. Thanks for your Thank you. call. And uh, look, one final question uh, for those who work uh, in the workforce but are aged over sixty-five, John, where do they stand in relation to uh, JobKeeper?
2: Well, uh, they're still eligible, just like everybody else, if they are employed as at the first of March, um, and their uh, el- you know the normal eligibility is the rules are satisfied, then, yes, they should get JobKeeper.
1: So there is nothing about retirement age or anything like that that counters you or leaves you out of getting JobKeeper?
2: No, no, there's nothing like that in the rules.
1: Alright. John Jeffries, thank you as always. Very much appreciate your time. John is joining us regularly at two o'clock on a Monday uh, for the time being, for the foreseeable f- for the next few weeks, just as we're trying to get our head around these and as these changes are implemented, uh, many people are confused or at least in seeking some clarification. And John's been really generous in trying to get those answers to us and updating us each week on the, the latest changes. So thank you again, John Jeffries. My pleasure. From Tax and Super Australia.